Hello, I'm Allison Warner. I'm the chief editor of Orthodontic Products. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Orthodontic Products podcast on the MedCorp Podcast Network. Today, we're going to talk about a hot topic in the orthodontic industry, hiring. Earlier this year, we published the results of an orthodontic practice performance survey. And when we asked orthodontists about the top challenges facing their practice, staffing was a significant one. More than 85% of respondents reported that they believe there is a shortage of orthodontic staff available to hire. And what's more, 66% of orthodontists surveyed reported that they were currently seeking to hire orthodontic team members. All this means is that when orthodontic practices like yours find viable candidates, the onus is going to be on the hiring team to make the right choice. Key to all this is the interview process. And that can be a stressful experience, not only for the applicant, but also for the orthodontic practices hiring team. So with that in mind, we asked Trudy Henderson to join us today to talk about the hiring and interview process and how to take some of the stress out. Trudy is the Director of Practice Growth Strategy for Cloud9 and founder of the company's recent acquisition, Toothberry, a customer experience management software designed for orthodontic practices. Now, one of the areas Toothberry addresses is hiring, training, and retaining talent in the orthodontic practice. Trudy, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Well, let's get started. Um, as I mentioned, Cloud9 recently acquired Tooth Fairy, and you are the founder of Tooth Fairy. I know from reading up on the company that it was designed to address the five biggest problems facing orthodontists today. Can you explain what those problems are and how Tooth Fairy helps solve them? Sure. Let me start with this. So, Tooth Fairy launched in March of 2020, about two weeks after the stay-at-home orders in the San Francisco Bay Area. After many, many years of research and hands-on work in the orthodontic practices as a manager and consultant. So before I started the Tooth Fairy development, I needed to ensure that I was solving for the right problems. So I set out to survey orthodontists across the United States. And to my delight, about 500 of them responded and validated the top five challenges that I was seeing uh, locally. And these problems consist of things like losing patients to competition, hiring and retaining talent that we're going to talk about today, winning new patients, recalls falling through the cracks, and finally leading and motivating teams. And we solve all of these problems with a simple user-friendly tool that incorporates concepts borrowed from my wonderful 35-year career in healthcare and nuclear aerospace, as well as other sales industries. So you've okay. heard of Salesforce and HubSpot, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're not reinventing the wheel here. We are simply tailoring a solution so that orthodontists can better serve their patients and generate more revenue faster. Mm, okay. So what does the addition of Tooth Fairy to the Cloud9 platform mean for orthodontic practices? Who are Cloud9's customers currently? Well, it's exciting because it, it really means more predictability, more repeatability, and more scalability. So orthodontists finally have access to a robust customer experience management tool that leverages patient data and proactively keeps patients from falling through the cracks. I mean, our new patient orthodontic workflow is over 100 years old. And a lot of things have changed over the years, yeah. especially in the last couple of years. Right. And needless to say, we are way overdue for a tool that helps us work smarter, not harder, and, and gives us time back that we need, we desperately need for other things. And yeah. so orthodontists can really expect a better emotional connection with their patients and more revenue faster. Okay. Well, let's... Um, 
dive into our topic, um, hiring. And as you've worked with orthodox practices, even just over the last year, what have you been hearing from them when it comes to hiring? <laughs> a lot. I, I'm out there <laughs> on, on all the social media platforms mm-hmm. and competition is fierce and there's a shortage of qualified candidates. And I've heard that some employees are exiting the dental industry and have exited the dental industry, just exacerbating the problem. And they're leaving some of them to work more convenient virtual jobs that pay more. Some of them are, you know, don't like the requirement to wear a mask, um, say front desk employees. And um, this has caused some of them to explore their options. And many are not returning. Hiring managers are complaining of losing candidates to competition um, before they're even able to fully assess them in the interview process and make a decision. Mm -hmm. And dentists are offering top dollar and scooping them up quickly. And um, then really the explosion of the virtual jobs. This is something that I've seen a lot of, and it's, it's going on in every industry. And regardless if, if candidates have the experience, they're scooping them up, paying them more. And um, especially if they're not given the opportunity to work from home. Yeah, yeah no, I, I've definitely heard the same thing when I've been talking to practices. Um, are there any other trends you've noticed around this staffing crisis? Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, one of the biggest one that comes to mind is called ghosting in the workplace. Oh, yes. Ghosting mm-hmm. is it just simply means that one party vanishes from the interview mm-hmm. process or the job even without warning. Yeah. And, and I, I just yeah. can't believe this is happening. But um, I did a little bit of research on it um, a few months ago because it, it, I saw it happening again. It's just a continuous thing. And research revealed that over 76% of employers have Mm. been ghosted. But I've never talked to an ops manager that hasn't been ghosted. But Mm. what was even more surprising to me, though, is the fact that um, the research revealed that this disappearing act is not (laughs) one-sided. So more and more employers are ghosting candidates. And it's Mm. it's easier than one might think because, uh, you know, practice managers and um, hiring managers wear many hats in a dental practice. So um, it's easier than you might think. Another trend that I've noticed is burnout with employees. So burnout is not only about working the long hours or being short staffed. It's also related to employees feeling unappreciated or a fundamental disconnect between the workers and the practice mission that really motivates them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I've heard the exact same thing, and it gets into whole, the whole issue of retention. Well, um, let's move forward a little bit here. So how do you recommend practices go about the applicant search to find the best candidates today? Because we talked a little bit about how they're looking for virtual jobs, and you know, it's, it's a little bit of a generation shift. What do you recommend? Yeah, so it all depends on the local market and where candidates are looking for jobs. So I've had luck with a variety of online sources, sources like Indeed, ZipRecruiter, Craigslist. I recommend that practices experiment and use what works mm-hmm. best for them at that time because it does and will change. Mm-hmm. Um, some of my clients have tried recruiting agencies too. Um, it can be, can be a little pricey, right. um, but it, it can be effective. But one of my favorite sources is the employees in the practice. So I like to offer a $200 finder's fee 
if an employee mm-hmm. is referred or and hired and makes it past their 90-day probation. I was fortunate to work with the Gallup survey company years ago and utilize many of their products. And they have a world-renowned survey called Q12. And I encourage the, the listeners to Google Q12, use it as much as you can. It is a wonderful tool. We could probably have a whole nother podcast on that. But one of the questions <laughs> is, do you have a best friend at work? And they have data to support that when employees have a best friend at work, they're much more engaged. And mm-hmm. I've seen this personally, and I'll share a quick yeah. story. So I had a practice that had an employee who took an excessive, and I mean an excessive amount of sick leave that unfortunately they couldn't do anything about. But when the practice hired her daughter, she became more and more reliable and engaged. So it, it is definitely true wow. that having someone close to you at work, it can make a difference. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. I just for my own personal <laughs> position in my in my field. Um, okay, so once practices have an applicant, have a group of applicants, how should they be vetting um, them for the next stage? Or even just that initial vetting, how should they be vetting them? Yeah, so it's great to, you know, take a look at their their resume and, and I use the word shiny resume. Um, don't be distracted by, you know, too much fluff on their resume, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, look for good qualities like relationship building, you know, what's their experience. And I love to hire um, for attitude, attitude and train for skill. So mm-hmm. um, if I'm hiring a treatment coordinator or a front, do- front office employee, I'm okay with hiring someone without dental experience, especially now that I have tooth fairy. <laughs> Um, because I can speed up, yeah, I can speed up that onboarding process 86% um, with Tooth Fairy. So, um, but we'll we'll talk about this more, I'm sure later. Um, Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we're hiring for sales skills. So we're relationship Mm -hmm. building, the ability to write, to ask the right questions and overcome objections. You want to look, do they have any retail experience? Um, I don't always pay a lot of attention the last couple of years uh, to the length of their employment, especially due to COVID. Okay. Um, you know, it, it can be a little choppy um, over mm-hmm. the last few years. And I found great candidates that still had a really choppy resume. Okay. Um, but you want to look for some of their skills. Um, do they have communication skills? What have they done to maybe further their education? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that gets them to the interview process. And so when it comes to that, most practices will do a one-on-one interview, but you actually advocate for group interviews, which are more common for sales positions and other customer-facing roles. Why? Yeah, absolutely. I prefer group interviews as part of the initial screening tool. And sometimes it's very helpful to hire even on the spot, depending on, you know, the need and and how quickly you need someone and and offer a sign-on bonus. The group interview process that I propose is a huge time saver. It's very efficient, saves the practice money, not to mention is very effective in assessing the candidate's sales skills and team skills. And in my opinion, every team member that interacts with Patients in your practice should possess great sales skills. You, I mean, you can interview a group of candidates quickly, compare those candidates side by side, and really just allow the cream of the crop just to rise to mm-hmm. the top. And okay. um, we can do that, especially 
and easily with my simple role play exercise. And if your candidates don't have great sales skills, then there's no need to waste anybody's time and take them to the next step in the process that those skills should always be number one. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that role playing exercise in a second. But before we get there, um, you also recommend putting the in the job posting that there will be group interviews. So applicants see it at the start. Why do you recommend this approach? Yeah, so I do educate them and inform them about what a group interview is, because most of them don't don't have any knowledge of that. In fact, they're a little bit surprised right. by it. And we want them to know what to expect. And many will opt out on their own if, if that, and that's great. If not, I would say Mm -hmm. maybe not many, but some will opt out and, and that keeps, you know, even makes the process even more efficient. But one thing that I don't tell them is that they'll be asked to participate in a role play exercise. And the reason that I don't disclose this in advance is because I have had candidates tell me that they didn't realize they were great at selling until they had the courage to give it a try during the interview. Mm. And if I had told them, they may not have attended. So we're, we're really looking for a diamond in the rough. <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> is there anything else that you recommend um, including in that initial job ad? Yes. Yeah, so I always let the candidates know that they may be a good fit if they have experience in areas like high-end retail, teaching, coaching, etc., as well as experience in debate and theater even. And oh, okay. one of the role play exercises that I conduct for treatment coordinators is the Tooth Fairy script reading. And mm-hmm. I ask candidates to read a small section because I wanna know if they can follow my instructions and they can sound natural when, when okay. they're following a script. So much like mm-hmm. a, an interview for a screenplay. So mm-hmm. this may sound bizarre, but trust me, it really works. And Again, things have changed in our world in the last two years, and sometimes we just really need to rethink the process and get creative, and Mm -hmm. um, this process is the perfect example. Okay. So let's get down to this group interview. What does it look like? So let's start with who from the practice should be conducting the interviews, and does it help to have more than one person from the practice present during the group interview. Yeah, so I recommend a a very positive, upbeat leader from the practice who is definitely knowledgeable of the state and federal laws and regulations. Hmm. Super important to keep risk as low as possible. But I I recommend that they facilitate the interview, and I, I do like to include someone from the team that prospective candidates might work with if they're if they're hired. Um, So we're still holding a lot of meetings online. We're doing this interview online. Um, What are your thoughts on doing the group interview if you have a platform like Zoom? I absolutely love a virtual group interview for the initial screening after I've identified the candidates who do meet the minimum requirements. If you conduct virtual consultations in your practice, a virtual interview enables you to assess candidates' technology skills and abilities. And this is particularly helpful if your practice conducts virtual interviews or even plans to conduct virtual interviews in the future. So um, in terms of the applicants, how many do you recommend having per group interview? What can you really get value out of? I've interviewed as many as seven applicants at once, but to start, I recommend just a couple of candidates until you get some experience under your belt. Mm -hmm. Hiring managers have 
been amazed at how fast and easy and efficient this group interview process is. So I have no doubt that any of our listeners could catch on very quickly and, and enjoy the process. Yeah. Okay. And so if a practice is lucky enough to have several applicants um, for a group interview, should they, and they need to do more than one group interview, should they be grouping the applicants in any way? Or is there any other structure you recommend there? Well, one great thing about this interview process that I'm proposing is that because your primary goal is to identify candidates with very strong sales skills, Mm -hmm. you can easily group treatment coordinators and clinical staff together, for example. Okay, so let's get down to the actual flow of this group interview. What does it look like? How should it flow? Okay, so I utilize the PowerPoint presentation and I'm happy to share that with listeners. Um, we could talk right. about that Right, we're actually gonna, put, yeah, we're gonna put that in PDF and make it available on the show notes, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> okay, all right, so there are four main elements of this interview process, plus the agenda and the wrap up. So first, mm-hmm. I like to welcome the candidates and introduce myself and I keep it very upbeat and try to be as emotional as possible and fun. And then we do a quick review of the agenda. So one thing to keep in mind is that candidates are assessing you and the practice just as much as you are assessing them. So you want your candidates to recognize that you're very organized and efficient because those are appealing characteristics to anyone. Mm-hmm. And then second, I asked for a volunteer to start the introductions off. I notice in this process who offers up first, who offers to go first. Mm-hmm. And I note whether or not there's any hesitation or not. And I continue this until I get through all of the candidates. Okay. So just remember to uh, take really good notes throughout the process. Next, I showcase the practice and the doctor. Now, this is so super important um, because of the competition out there, but I like to pretend that I'm giving the candidates an orientation on their first day. And this should, again, be delivered with lots of emotion and excitement um, because your passion can make the difference between a rock star candidate accepting your offer or going next door to a competitor. So this is why you wanna choose the interview facilitator very wisely. Okay. And then um, third in the process, I quickly give candidates a glimpse of what a day in the life of a TC is like. For example, if, if you have clinical candidates, um, present that example of, of, you know, walk them through with a few bullets what, what it's like. And if, if you have both clinical and treatment coordinators, include a slide for each one so that they, it feels very personal for them. And um, this job, I call this a job preview. So a great job preview is very important because one of the worst things that you can do is to sugarcoat a job or neglect to tell them enough or even talk a candidate into accepting a position and then they show up and discover it's much different than they expected. And this is completely a recipe for disaster. No matter how desperate you are, it's just not worth it. Yeah. So the next part is is the fun part. Here's where we talk about the role play exercises. So, oh great, okay, um, yeah. So the candidates um, have told me that they're a little surprised by by this um, interview process, and sometimes they're a little nervous, um, but that most of them say that that it is kind of fun, especially the ones that do really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you wanna you wanna see how they perform under pressure. So that's that's really right. a good thing. 
Um, so what I do is I announce that we're going to do a role play exercise. Then I ask them to look around and choose an object that they can sell to me. I almost always get a few chuckles and as they look for their items, I've seen everything from a stapler to heated coffee cups to Chanel makeup. It's, it's really can be a lot of fun and entertaining. So then I give them about a minute to come up with a strategy on their own before I ask for a volunteer. And again, I'm taking notes to see who is confident enough to volunteer and if I'm interviewing TCs, then I do one additional role play exercise that consists of reading a paragraph of consultation scripting from our Tooth Fairy software. And if, for this exercise, it's a very short paragraph, but I do give them about two minutes and, to review on their own. And I give them some instructions on purpose because I want to know if they can follow these instructions. So I tell them, read the scripting as is and play the part. And my objective here is to look for somebody that's coachable, engaging, and a bit animated because we want them to really be able to come across, you know, in a, a great way. Um, we want the patients to identify with them and we want that strong emotional connection. And then last, I wrap it up, thank the candidates. And by this time, I have a really, really good idea of who my top one or two candidates are. Okay. How long does this typically take? Or what, what would you recommend allotting for this? It depends on how many candidates there are, but almost always I can get through this process in 30 minutes or less. Oh, wow. Even with the, the seven candidates that I mentioned, it's very, very fast. Do you find that there's usually a candidate that really sticks out um, from this kind of environment? Absolutely. You've done several of these. And so are there qualities that jump out to you, um, either through the role-playing exercise or just other aspects that, you know, really help you find that right candidate? Like they just, there's something about them. Like, is it is it that the fact that they volunteer to introduce themselves first? Because I could see that being a big clue that, okay, this might be someone who's proactive. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, the ones that volunteer, the ones that are really friendly, um, the ones that I really love, the ones that stand out the most to me, which I've only had this happen half a dozen times or so in, in lots of interviews that I've conducted, is the, the ones that lead with a question. The ones that pre-qualify you. Um, for example, um, one person that sold me the, the heated coffee mug, he, he led with a question and he asked me, are you a coffee drinker? And I was like, yes, I love coffee. And so, you know, it's just like, it, it just um, was amazing. And he actually, I've only had two candidates who I feel have just completely aced the interview. And he was one of them. Okay. Okay. So does this flow that you talked about there, does that change if you're doing this in person versus online? Is there any kind of adjustment there? It doesn't change much, but I can share some of the differences. So with okay. each type of interview, we always ask candidates to confirm their appointment. And if they don't mm -hmm. show up, I do automatically disqualify them. Okay. Um, especially with all of the ghosting, you know, that's kind of the same behavior. So unfortunately, mm, okay. we're living in a day and age where some employees think it's acceptable and it's just not productive. 
um, yeah. for a practice. So also when inviting the candidates to a virtual interview, I do set some expectations. Uh, for example, I do inform them that they are required to turn on their camera. And if their computer doesn't have a camera, that's okay. I encourage them to use their phone. And it's, it's mm -hmm. very common for candidates to call in over their lunch break. And they, mm. a lot of times they'll be in their vehicle where they have privacy and it's quiet. And that's perfectly right. fine as well. They can even do the, the role yeah. play exercises very well. Okay. So don't hold it against them if they're doing it from their car, basically. Just work Absolutely with them. not. The fact yeah, that they're showing up and they didn't ghost you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and um, I've hired many candidates that have shown up in their car and they do very well. Okay. Well, um, we talked a little bit about, you know, when applicants are introducing themselves and, you know, that person who jumps up first to, you know, be the one who introduces themselves. That's a nice shiny star for them. Um, are there other things that you as the interviewer should be assessing when they're introducing themselves? Yes. I mean, you should really ask yourself, do they exhibit confidence? Are they engaging? Are they very positive? How are their nerves under pressure? Will they be a good fit for the team? All of those types of qualities will help you make the best decision. Okay. And then as the interview team is talking about the practice and giving the day in the life scenario, are there any nonverbal or verbal cues that they should be paying attention to it with the candidates to help assess them? Yes, I, I would say I look to see if the information that I present to them excites them or the opposite. I always give them the opportunity to ask questions and this can help you really learn a lot more about their personality and communication style. But um, an interesting thing that I didn't think of when I first created this process and piloted it is that sometimes you'll have candidates just drop off of your Zoom call. They just disappear, literally mm. drop off the virtual meeting and never come back. And this is okay. Um, you know, they might be sizing up the other the competition, the other candidates, and they just think, oh gosh, you know, I have no no chance at this. And you know, it's okay because they when they voluntarily opt out, on their own, then that, that saves you some time and them some time as well. Right, okay. Um, so let's say the hiring team likes one or two of the applicants, what should their follow-up look like? So first of all, I wanna emphasize that you don't ever want to discuss any salary information or get into the details of an offer in a group meeting. Okay. Um, that, that would just increase your risk again. So I recommend asking one standout candidate to stay on the Zoom and if there are multiple standout candidates, you're very lucky if there are, <laughs> but if there are, that's <laughs> yeah. great. Go ahead and dismiss them, thanking their, them for their participation. But then let the others, those standout candidates know that you'll text them as soon as you're finished talking with the first candidate. Okay. And what you discuss in that meeting depends on your needs. So sometimes our, I will hire them on the spot and offer that sign-on bonus, and other times I will ask the candidate to maybe come in for a, a paid working interview. Mm -hmm. And that's where I can take a little bit more time, ask a few more questions, maybe let them meet the doctor or some of the other team members. Um, it really just depends on the situation. Okay. What if the interviewing team didn't like any of the performance of any of the applicants? What then? <laughs> <laughs> well, from my experience, don't be discouraged if you don't have any candidates who stand out. I've had this happen many times and it's okay because this type of interview really helps you weed out these types of candidates quickly. So when you're interviewing multiple ones together, you're not losing 
near as much time as if you're asking them to come in individually. So in my career, I've conducted hundreds of Hogan personality assessments for dental practices. Mm -hmm. And the Hogan assessment group out of Tulsa, Oklahoma, they assert that only about one in seven people are high fit for a sales and customer role, no matter what the industry or country. And by mm -hmm. high fit, we mean can ask all the right questions, answer objections effectively. And in fact, I have a friend who is one of the top Chick-fil-A franchise owners, and he told mm -hmm. me that it's common for him to conduct 30 to 40 interviews before he makes a decision. So, you know, I, I wouldn't worry about it. Um, just keep going because, you know, with this fast, efficient process, you, you can, you'll quickly get there much sooner than if you're doing it one-on-one. -on -one. Trudy, this has been some really great information. As we mentioned, um, you've actually put together a slide deck that walks practices through the group interview process. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what they can expect when they look at that slide deck? Sure. So, um, th there's just going to be less than half a dozen slides and mm -hmm. you can make adjustments to this as you learn. And I would love to hear feedback on that. Um, but all the sections will be there that you need to show uh, the candidates. And then there are a few notes um, for you as the um, facilitator of the interview. Trudy, again, thank you so much for going in depth on this and walking our listeners through the process that should hopefully take some of the stress out of interviewing. And if listeners want to learn more about Cloud9 and the Tooth Fairy tools, um, who should they reach out to or how can they reach out to you? Sure. They can reach out to me at my email address, uh, my first initial T, last name Henderson, at cloud9.software or sales at cloud9.software. And I'd also be interested in connecting with listeners on LinkedIn. And if you are a current Cloud9 customer, you can also reach out to me through Club9, our online chat platform. Great. Well, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the MedCore Podcast Network to keep up with the latest orthodontic products podcast episodes and to keep up with the latest industry news, check out orthodontic products online.com. Until next time, take care. Music.